I'm Seth Bridgman, host of From the Ground Up podcast, a podcast where we discuss key doctrines of the Christian faith, building them upon the true cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus. Welcome to Season 2 of From the Ground Up podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to From the Ground Up podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Mason, Dylan, and Cody. Fellas, how are you? Well, yeah, doing, doing pretty good. good. Yeah, I would say so. Excellent. Mason, you are here unhindered this time from work? I am, yeah. It's actually, we're recording on a Saturday today, so not after, you know, work, walking about 10 to... 12 miles. You didn't have to shove like three cups of coffee down him before he could function. So. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> bright eyed and wow. bushy tailed here. So. Wow, lucky you. Right. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Dylan, since the last time we've been on, we've had a big change with you. Yes, we have. Uh, we introduced our daughter to the world in, on January 27th. Show enough. Show enough did. Um, it was actually duck hunting and. We got out there really early because at the end of the year, I always take like my vacation at the end of January, and uh, the 27th was like the last you know couple of days of season. We get out there to this spot, and you have to walk just uh, like a mile and a half or two miles back to back to where we are, and it's all water, and so it just sucks getting back there. So we eventually get all the way back there, and we're sitting around. We get there really early, you know, like three fifty, four o'clock, and. 615 rolls around and like 615 nobody's supposed to be calling me well that my phone is ringing in my pocket and uh and a a guy that i was hunting with he was like your wife's probably going into labor and i was like and then it hit and then then it hit hit me yeah then it hit me like i pulled my phone out and i show everybody that i was hunting with it says wife on it and caleb my my buddy he was like oh my gosh you know and so I answered the phone, and the first thing my wife says was, hey, uh, my water just broke. And everybody just starts freaking out because they heard everything, like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so then, uh, luckily, somebody brought, like, a little uh, a little kayak back to where we, were, where we were hunting. And it took me, like, 25 minutes to 25, 30 minutes to walk back to where we were at. And in that kayak, from me getting into the kayak to my car was eight minutes. I was. You were paddling. Oh yeah. yes, booking it. Oh yeah, and like I mean, I had a weight <laughs> yeah, going. Adrenaline rush. Yeah, oh, going. I did too. I ran through a tree and like cut up my arm too. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was a big ordeal, but it was cool. It was cool. So, so yeah. the, the last time that I saw you before she was born, you said, "Well, she just can't come this next week because that's the last week of <laughs> duck season." And I don't remember if I told you, but I to- I for sure told my wife. I said, "He's messed up now." <laughs> She's coming yeah, during this yeah, week yeah, uh, because happened. of what you said. I learned that lesson with my daughter because we had two boys. And so when Jean Lynn found out she was pregnant with the third, I said, okay, well, if it's a boy, we can just make the last bedroom down the hall just a bunkhouse and throw all three of them in together. And that was it. That was it. Ah. Daughter. Daughter, that's that solidified that was it right the there. The Lord saying, "All right, you got yeah. plans of your own, Will." Yeah, you go. 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was a it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, there's actually a picture, and I, I probably hadn't showed you guys, but there's a picture of me holding her, and I'm still in like you know all my camo and everything, and I look absolutely out of it, just kind of. <laughs> you know, little did I know that that would be my state of consciousness <laughs> for the, from that point. Yeah, exactly. Till, you know, until she's out of the house now. So, <laughs> so because. It was at the very end of duck season. You actually haven't had a full night's rest in like four months, three months? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, well, at the time of recording, like, she'll be a month old on... Mm-hmm. Or, well, okay, I see what you're saying now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, you are right. Because you're getting up to go duck. But I yeah. will say, I will say that my wife is an absolute rock star. Shout out to my wife. Because she'll get up, like... Be 1 a.m., you know, my daughter's in there screaming. She'll be like, oh, okay, got to go change her, you know. <laughs> Just, I'm like, okay, have at it. So, anyway, enough about me. Cody? Well, I don't have anything here that exciting. <laughs> Cody's laughing. Yeah. Cody. Oh, Is there man. something we need to know, Cody? Uh, no. no. Okay, yeah. What's no, we're, we're, good, Cody? we're good there. So. What's going on with Cody? Just uh, working the bank, uh... I've got two daughters that are keep me plenty occupied. So, oh man, every day. I will say, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my my oldest one is just so well behaved. She went to the eye doctor this past week, and like they had to dilate her eyes, and like, um, like they did some tests and stuff where they had to like use this tool to like touch her eye. Nope, nope I'm out. And she <laughs> she didn't even fight them. She just let them do it. Really? Like, that's impressive. That's like, yeah, that's impressive. Like, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I've got some well-behaved kids. So. Did they give her the sunglasses afterwards, after they dilated I her eyes? No, if she, I wasn't, you know, I, I was um, elsewhere when she was at the appointment. Bridget was taking her. And so if she had them, I didn't ever see them. Uh, so. But I did see her come home, the big yeah. old pupils, you know. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, I went, I guess it was probably two years ago, and they dilated my eyes. And apparently... You know, you're not supposed to like drive or do anything. No, you have no okay. So, depth yeah, depth so they're like, yeah, we're gonna get you some glasses, and so they like lead me into this room, and I'm like, I don't know how to get back there because I literally can't see my hand in front of my face. And they're like, oh, we'll have somebody lead you. And this, you know, the salesman of the frames is back there. He's like, oh yeah, just you know, try these out. Do you like these? I'm like, dude, I can't see. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. So I ended up with some purple frames. <laughs> Show enough did. Sure. That's enough. The, story. the next time, that's the, ne- the story. The huh? next time yeah. I wear my glasses, you'll be like, huh, they got a tin of purple to them. You know, they, you like all right, them purple I'm going to have to pay attention. Yeah, you'll have to pay attention. So, hmm. yeah. Styling and profiling and then, over there. Then they said, oh, yeah, you're good to go. And I'm like, you know, looking at my hand. Thanks. Like, you I just can't... put the entire city of Conway in danger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, where do you have to drive to? I'm like, ah, I'm just up the road, you know. They're like, ah, get him out of here. You're fine. Okay. All right, well, this episode we are covering the necessity of Scripture. So uh, this whole season we're covering um, the study of the Bible, so bibliology. Uh, and then last time we were here we talked about biblical inerrancy and how we we fully adhere to uh, the concept that the Bible is completely without, not only fault in its teachings and practice, but error in any regard whatsoever. Well, this uh, episode, we're talking about the necessity of the Bible for us. And so, Mason, I'm going to let you start out uh, the question here. Is the Bible necessary to know that there is a God? 
Um, no, it's not. Um, even the Bible itself says that it's not necessary to read Scripture to understand that that there is a God. Um, you see it in Romans chapter 1. If you've been going to Houston Baptist Church, we've been on this passage of Scripture for, what, almost a year now, probably? Yeah, it's been it, a while. It, We're getting there. Yeah. I think it started last Easter. So uh, Romans 1, uh, 19 through 21, um, it talks about how they, they, the evidence of God is clear. Um, in Psalm 19, 1, it says the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, there are evidences in nature, uh, which is referred to as general revelation, that, that point to the fact that, that there, there is a creation, so there must be a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll kind of go... You know, more uh, practically um, and, you know, look at nature itself. Uh, You know, you take a we have all these different scientific technologies that can like refine down to what organisms are made up of and things of that nature. And just perceiving those things, like if you look at a tree and you look at, you know, the, the vascular tissue of a tree, just perceiving the vascular tissue of a tree is enough for you to be on the hook for reconciliation back to God because God has generally revealed himself mm-hmm. in all of nature. So if you perceive anything that is created, God has revealed that to you, and he's revealed it to everyone generally. I don't know who it is. I think it's is it Ray Comfort's the guy that goes around and, and is always kind of with yes, the microphone. Yeah, that's right. That's an atheist uh-huh. delusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he... I'm pretty sure it was him that provided this example, and he was talking to this guy, and he had on, like, a nice watch, and he said, let's look at your watch, right? Like, somebody fashioned all the pieces, put it together, and made this beautiful watch to work the way that it does. He said, do you think that just based on, you know, we're taking people that have the theory that everything just happened, right? Yeah. Big Bang Theory, which I think is maybe kind of not really... I don't even know if they believe in that anymore. as much anymore. Yeah. But there's they still do. But there's still people that believe like, you know, something came from nothing without, you know, a, a divine creator being involved. But he's mm-hmm. like, do you think that this watch could ever just form itself like out of nothing? Like it just one day, like all these things came together and poof, here's your, here you have a watch. And obviously everybody's answer is like, no, somebody had to create that. Somebody had to like put thought into that to make it work the way that it does. That's everything in creation that, you know, isn't man-made is designed in some way. Like Dylan referenced, was it trees? Trees, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you look at trees, you look at, you know, any, you know, animal or human and the way that their bodies work um, in the depths of them, they couldn't just happen. Like they, they were made with thought and intent and purpose. Um, behind it, and so that alone, to me, provides um, evidence of a, a creator. You know, Mason's already mentioned the scripture background on that. Um, that it, you know, it's not necessary to read scripture to understand that there's a God. You literally just observe things around you and, and know that something created this with some type of purpose behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of brought it up the the fine tuning um, argument, which states that the universe is created in such a finely tuned way the way that the earth is set on was it like a 23 and a half degree axis something of that nature and if it was to go one degree on its axis one way or the other you know it would be too close or too far away from the sun to sustain life Mm -hmm. you know the the way that all the celestial bodies 
are moving through space at, I mean, tens of thousands of miles an hour never collide with one another. They never lose their gravitational pull from one another. You know, that sort of thing. That, you know, that is a, a proving of... Um, approving of a, a divine creator of uh, intelligent design, even though we can't really know anything specific about God personally through that. I mean, we can come to the concept and, and knowledge that, Hey, there's, there's a being that has created all this is too, it's too perfect. And I mean, Paul brings that up whenever uh, him and Barnabas were in Lystra and acts 14 and they're trying to, you know, they they come and they're they're doing miracles. I think they heal a crippled man, and the people are trying to call him Zeus and Hermes, and they're mm-hmm. getting, they get mad and tear their garments. And Paul says in verse sixteen, chapter fourteen, in past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying satisfying your hearts with food. And gladness, and so Paul's saying, "Hey, even the fact that you're able to grow crops and you can uh, count on the seasons coming around, mm-hmm. and you know all that's orderly and and uh, fashioned in such a way that it can sustain you, and the rains come and and water the ground to grow these things. That's that's evidence enough that there's a divine uh, being that created all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I was reading something on the internet the other day about the James Webb telescope have y'all have y'all seen about that no um so the james webb telescope um it's like the newest best thing to like yeah it's replacing the hubble yeah replacing hubble yes like apparently i don't know what how long ago if it was just the last week or if it's been this way for a little bit but they discovered like six new galaxies right that weren't supposed to exist but I'm like, who who said that they weren't supposed to exist? Like, did we just, you know, think that we knew everything already about the universe <laughs> right. to know that, wow. oh, those shouldn't be there? But then we find, you know, as our technology advances, we can see further out. We're like, oh, wow. Hey, there's there's other things here. And it just goes to show that we, just, we know nothing. It's yet. the same people who think Pluto is not a planet. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, same people. No. Oh, oh, no. Where do you get the right oh. to say that? Uh, there is a lot of salty people about the right. <laughs> Wow. It's been this way my entire life, and we're going to change it now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dylan, I'm going to let you uh, crack into this one first. Is morality possible without the Bible? Morality is possible without the Bible, and Romans 2.14 tells us that. Uh, Romans 2.14 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires... They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. So what that means is that Gentiles, whenever it referred to Gentiles here, those were the unbelievers, and so they weren't given the uh, uh, they weren't given the law. They weren't they weren't Jews, or they weren't uh, believers in Christ at this time. Um, so what this means is that uh, God has given the law to every man both Jew and Gentile, both to believer and both to non-believer. So if you go, for example, so you go into somebody, uh, you go to somebody that says that they're like a proclaiming atheist, which mm-hmm. would be an unbeliever, obviously. Said, okay, and I think Ray Comfort actually actually does this. Mm-hmm. So he's like, is rape wrong? And the obvious answer is, well, yes, it's absolutely wrong. How do they know that? It's because God has written morality on the hearts of every man, as Romans 2.14 tells us. So, 
Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, um, I mean, go a little further. When that same section of scripture that you're in, um, you know, it says, you know, it's written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And so even, you know, even when we try to do something like their conscience is, like holds them accountable to that. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, they may try to justify acting and behaving. You know, people may you know try to justify why they did a certain thing, but their their conscience is against it. So, I mean, it, people can tell you anything, but we know you know based on your own you know your own morality, you know that's just innate in you. Like any person knows right from wrong to an extent. Hmm. You know, not everything, but they know right and wrong to an extent. And so, when they act against it. Why do they feel guilty about doing something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people that, you know, they have they have issues, right? But but in general, when you do something that you know is not right, like you're, you're guilty about that. And if you don't even, if you're guilty about that and even not knowing Scripture, why is that? It's because God has placed that upon our hearts. He's written it on our hearts. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to creation. I mean, we're all made in the image of God. And part of that mm-hmm. image of God is that... Um, while we're all born spiritually dead, we there there is a consciousness there. Like Cody said, the the, the law of God is written on their hearts in Romans uh, two, I think it was fifteen, I think. Um, yeah. So so even though they are you know not born again, they're not believers. We're all created in the image of God, and part of that image bearing is is the fact that there is just a, a certain level of, of consciousness about right and wrong. Now, obviously, without God, it's easily perverted and, mm-hmm. and easily mm-hmm. um, left, and, and, and people can go astray of that. But I mean, if you look across societies throughout um, even ancient history, there I think it's Hammurabi's Code, which um, is is kind of it's not the Ten Commandments, but it's it's it closely refle- reflects that, and that was a society that was com- that was um, polytheistic, as most societies were. Yep. Um, and uh, but yet, still here, you see a reflection of the fact that that we are made in the image of God, and we do have a certain innate sense of of right and wrong. Yeah, and I, I actually wrote that down in my notes. The Code of Hammurabi, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a Babylonian king. Uh, around like 1750. Yeah. And so Moses actually didn't arrive on the scene until like 1400. That's 1750 BC, by yeah, the way. BC, BC, yeah, BC, BC, correct. Uh, and so Moses didn't arrive until like 1400. So you're talking 250 to 300 years before the Mosaic law came about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, there's a lot of similarities in it morally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you, you know, it, it's kind of strange some of the way, you know, but it has the eye for the eye, tooth for tooth in it. If you, if a person's house is burning down and you break in and steal something out of it and you're caught, then you get thrown into your own house and your house burnt down on top of you. Uh, I mean, it's morally like you're, there's punishment for doing wrong. Well, how do they know to do wrong? Well, because God wrote the, the wall on their, on their heart. And so they have that, you know, the difference between that, you know, people will try to say, well, the Code of Hammurabi is first. And so the Mosaic law just copied it. Well, no, because the Mosaic law was given to restore a relationship between man and God. Mm-hmm. The Code of Hammurabi was given to keep society from falling apart. Right. Yeah. Uh, and civil so code. it's civil yeah. code. Correct. And mm-hmm. not religious law. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's the, that's the big difference there. But, you know, that, 
the law written on man's heart, that's God restraining evil in yep. the world. Because, I mean, we saw what happened when that that moral, uh, morality was removed from man in the time of Noah, mm-hmm. and nobody was moral at all. Well, yep. God regretted that he made mankind and wiped them off the face of the earth, mm-hmm. along with all the animals and everything. So, you know, the fact that we have that written on our heart is just God's grace and mercy restraining evil uh, to allow his people to to have a chance yeah. to to repent and, and believe. I'll play devil's advocate here because because <laughs> okay. the thought the thought came to my mind and I've heard this in in arguments before. Um, so, uh, what do you do with the cannibalistic tribes that are like off the off the west coast of India? Um, that you know they they eat people, they murder people from from other tribes, uh, and the perception is that there's nothing wrong with it because that's the way that they've always done things. Mm-hmm. So what would be the what would be the response there? So most of those tribes actually have a problem with cannibalism, but they use it as a form of dominance. Yes. yes. Um, and to show dominance. But uh, I'm trying to find it. It's in first or second Timothy, but it talks about a seared conscience. And mm. so, you know, just the continually sinning Mm-hmm. And the the growing of that depravity within you eventually is going to sear your conscience to the point where that sin isn't going to affect you morally anymore. That's why you see people who are who have been you know career criminals, and you know the crimes for them typically get worse. Why? Because they're searing their conscience. You yeah. know their mm-hmm. sin is building up, and God is handing them further and further into mm-hmm. depravity, just like it says in Romans 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. gave them up to a debased mind. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think you know, we have people that have, you know, God has given up uh, to a debased mind that, you know, are in such strong positions to influence society. Mm-hmm. And so we have people that aren't turning to scriptures, but are instead turning to, you know, the people in charge and society for our moral standards. And so when we have people that have a, you know, have God's given over to the base mind, but then now they're influencing, you know, other people. And then we have people that are looking towards those for their sense of morality. And then now it's all just been twisted and corrupted. Hmm. And so I think, you know, that that's been put in place, those, those cannibalistic tribes and stuff. It's just been taught over and over again to the point yeah. that, well, that, it's, it's overriding their innate yeah. morality yeah, is what. Well, yeah, it's a consequence of sin. I mean, while we may not be held responsible for other people's sins, people's sins have consequences. Mm-hmm. And so you have sure. the, the sin of the, those tribes' forefathers who are establishing this culture. We mm-hmm. live in a society where we say, oh, well, all cultures are basically generally the same. They're neither good nor bad. They're just, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I mean, yeah. if you grow up in a, in a society that tells you, hey, this is fine, This it's, it's so pervaded with sin it's so soaked in in this uh sinfulness because they haven't been exposed to the light of the gospel then that's what you can get to i mean if you if you take the anchor of of man's soul away which is the gospel um you you drift into all kinds of depravities Mm. and the further one generation gets that's the starting point for the next generation. And so it just can continually go down and down and down into that spiral that you see again in Romans yeah. chapter one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think y'all filled that pretty well. Here it is. <laughs> it's uh first Timothy four, um, 
1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, and that's talking, that's talking about people who were, air quotes, believers departing from the faith. But yeah. I, I think it can be, I think it's a general truth that can be applied. The more you delve into that sin and allow that sin to have you, mm-hmm. the more that conscience is going to get seared. Yeah. And the, and the things of God just are going to depart even further from you than you it would become numb to it almost. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. You've, huh. you've trained yourself to ignore your innate morality that you have. Yeah. You've been mm. given. So. Cool. Y'all did well on that. <laughs> Good job. Cody. Yeah. What can we know about God without the Bible? Um, so, we, you know, all that we can know is what we can observe without the Bible, which is, you know, we can we can get a, a general sense um, of God that, you know, that he's powerful because he's able to create things. He's creative in the way that he's made things. Look at the platypus. Is that not the weirdest thing you've ever seen? Like, there's some, there's some creativity, right? right? Why well, go, what? I don't know. I just it is to unique. It, it is very it's unique. unique. Yeah. Very unique. I mean, I was it's thinking only more mammal of, legs. like, you know, snow-capped <laughs> mountains and stuff like no, no, that. No, no, Who went no, with the no, platypus? No. Platypus. Listen, platypus. Yeah. Okay. How often do we, do we get to talk about platypuses? Right? Not, not we, need more, we need more platypi <laughs> on, platypi. on this podcast. <laughs> the duck-beaver-snake <laughs> it's, it's odd. Anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up. And we can see that, you know, that this, you know, divine intelligent designer of the world is wise in order to make things function in such a way that they work together. Right. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, That's limited about, um, limited piece of information that we can gather from just observation. Um, and so that's all like Mason mentioned earlier, just general revelation that we've been given. Mm -hmm. Um, and so without that, you know, we have to have scripture in order for us to gain any further understanding of God. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, uh, my mind went directly to, you know, God being the creator. And that's kind of the the only that that's kind of the only, you know, thing that we can know about God um, apart from Scripture. And we can like Cody said, we can observe that. And the logical conclusion for anybody that is is doubting that God is the creator. And let's say that somebody holds on to, you know, this theory of evolution and things of that nature. Something can't come from nothing, right? So in order for this earth to exist, there had to have been something that is outside of the earth in order for this earth to exist. So there had to have been a creator, Right. And so whenever we look at Genesis 1, 1, we understand that in the beginning, God created everything. And so. So, yeah, that might have been a little bit of a rabbit trail. But but, yeah, God, we can we can clearly see that God is the creator of all things. Yeah. The only thing I would add to what you guys have said, which has been great, is that not only is he the creator, um, he's the sustainer Ah, uh, of, of this world, despite what. The media would like to have you believe, as far as we know, the world's not ending yet. Um, no, it yet. keeps it keeps on spinning, and it's not through an accident that that happened. We talked about um, the fine tuning argument for uh, a creator earlier, and part of that fine tuning is the fact that not only are we here, but but just all the things that that 
that play into that um, and the fact that that's not something that could have been set in motion and left alone, but it's something that um, that is continuing to happen. He continues to sustain this world. Um, I can't remember who, who mentioned like the seasons and, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's something he does not just for uh, believers, but for everyone. I mean, that's his uh, general grace, his general kindness and goodness is the fact that we can, you know, we can, grow our own food and, you know, make our own way and, and provide mm-hmm. for our families. That's just something that he generally provides. Yep. Um, so we can see that and, and know that, that he is sustains and, and, and he has love for humanity. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can see that he's a God of beauty. He's a God of order. He's a God of love. He's got a goodness, uh, all those things just by observing nature. Mm. Um, you know, Sir Isaac Newton, I don't really agree with a lot of his theology, and I think he's wrong on a lot of it. But, I mean, being one of the fathers of science, the reason why he made such leaps and bounds in science is because he understood that if a god made all of this, an intelligent designer made all of this, and put it into motion the way it did, it had to be orderly. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he started pursuing the sciences, because he's like, you know, things that are orderly... You can figure those out. You can figure out those processes, and that's how he advanced so much uh, in science. And so just by observing the world around him, he understood, hey, this God that made everything, he's orderly. Everything's cleanly put together. And so going off that basis of what I know about him from what I observed, I can continue on my my stuff. Nothing random is going to come in. Why? Because it's all all set. I think it's actually him that says that uh, mathematics is the language in which God wrote the universe. Why? Because mathematics is factual. It's set. You can't. There's no big variables in it. You you have to go the same way to get the same answer every time. Mm. Uh, and so, just by looking around the world around us, we can see that he's orderly. And from there, we can make all different kinds of discoveries without even knowing personal things about him. Right. All right. Well, you back up, Mason. Yeah. Yeah, it's back around. All right. So, is salvation possible without the Bible? No, it's not. And there are probably many, many scriptures that we can quote, but I'm going to go with Romans 10, uh, 14 through 15. And uh, it's Paul saying, you know, how will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe unless they, uh, on him who they've never heard? Um, so salvation comes through hearing and hearing of the word. Um, so without, without people being able to hear the gospel, the gospel that's contained inside the word of God, um, there is no salvation. There is no hope. The hope lies in the gospel, and the gospel lies yeah. in the word. Yeah. I'll continue on with that passage, and I'll go down to verse 17. So verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we know the word of Christ is the 66 books that we are given that is on this table right here with us. So no, salvation is only possible through God's word. Yep. And you can also go to John one one. And you can conclude who the Word is. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And so we know that salvation comes through the Word, and that Word is Christ. Yep. Yeah. Um, just uh, stick into Romans one um, chapter. I mean, yeah, chapter one, verse sixteen says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes." And so we know that through the word um, is how salvation is given and, and through the gospel, which is provided in the word. And while we can 
understand just a glimpse. The only way that we we can know God to the point of salvation is through the Word that He's revealed, um, through His Spirit, um, for mankind to to perceive Him, to understand His character, and you know to to build a relationship with Him. Um, that was His His whole redemptive plan is is laid out in the Word. Mm-hmm. So it is it is one hundred percent necessary for salvation. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, used to. This was back when I was very young. Charismatic? Hmm? No, I'm just kidding. Negative. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I tried that once. <laughs> tried that once. It didn't work out. didn't work out. Um, I used to think that there was two different salvations. I thought there was an Old Testament salvation. And when Jesus came, a new salvation was around. And hmm. that was just because I didn't know the Word. And the more that I studied hmm. the Word, I realized Jesus saved even in the Old Testament. You go to Ephesians 1 and 4 and you go to 1 Peter one twenty. it talks about him being the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. And then you go and read that in the context of like Hebrews 11. You know, some people advocate Hebrews 11 shows that, you know, the Mosaic law in the Old Testament had a saving power. No, it, it never did. Mm-hmm. But the, the people in Hebrews 11 in the hall of faith, they were uh, justified from their faith, what was their faith? It was a saving faith that they knew they were sinners, that there was no hope that they could save themselves, and they entrusted themselves to the one who judges justly, who who can save them. Had they known about Jesus, that's it would have placed that same faith in Christ, yeah. uh, and so that's how they were saved through Jesus Christ, though they did not know Him yeah. yet. It was, I mean, his his work. He was. I mean, that blows my mind to think of that he was slain before creation. Before God spoke anything into existence, he was the lamb who was slain. Mm-hmm. You know, And so sin, it wasn't a big surprise uh, to God. He knew what needed to happen before he ever spoke anything into existence. Why? Because Jesus was already the sacrificial lamb back then. And so... You know, is salvation possible? No. Why? Because you have to be saved through Jesus Christ. I mean, y'all have already, y'all have already quoted it mm. um, multiple times in in Romans uh, ten seventeen. Acts four twelve says, "There's no name given under heaven by which man can be saved, but through Jesus Christ our Lord." Mm. And so, you, no, you can't be saved without the Bible. It's not possible. And even the ones who were saved without knowledge of Jesus Christ were saved through special revelation of God. They're sinners, and God's the only one mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. save you. Yeah, uh, the reason why I poked at you about, you know, being a closeted charismatic back in the day. I'm just kidding, by the way. But, um, you know, there are some in the charismatic realm that I'll say uh, that believe that God, you could just be walking throughout your day and without hearing any any scripture or anything like that and then automatically you're you're saved you know you you possess some sort of salvation in yourself yeah it's weird it's very weird and so i'm uh, i i think to myself of like oh you know just guy walking through his day you know he's probably doing something sinful and then all of a sudden boom. spontaneous yeah, salvation spontaneous salvation like that's exactly what spontaneous one. regeneration that is, yeah mm. uh, yeah that's some oprah salvation right you get salvation you get salvation uh, everybody uh, gets salvation yeah so and we obviously know that that is uh you know mega incorrect i want to take a little just a slight rabbit trail you mentioned you know jesus being the lamb of slain before the foundations of the world and so when it comes to like god and time that's one thing that can just, if you think on that too long, will just keep confusing you. 
um, until you, I mean, you have to come to terms with it. God exists outside of time. He yeah. created it, right? And so for it, but when you sit there and try to think about how that works, man. Tilt. You're just like, what? Yeah. 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 Well, no, I mean, no. I don't remember where it is in the Bible, but it says that God sees the end from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, our brains cannot fathom existence without time because all we know is time. Man. Everything we do revolves around time. It's like so ingrained in us. You know, we age. <laughs> Every there's seasons. The world rotates and and brings about new years. We we operate on a clock to know like, hey, when we need to do something. Like we don't know anything without time. And so, first to think about time not existing in God. You know, it, it, He's created it so He exists outside of it. Man, Jay Jay Warner Wallace, he was the speaker at Lead Defend Conference last year, and he was talking about like the concept of of time, like when we get into eternity. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about, you know, how people argue, well, if God is such a good God, why do bad things happen? Of course, you know, he's like, you know, we can always go with the old old argument of, well, why do we're, nobody's good, so why do good things happen to all the bad people? He's like, we're not going to go that route. He's like, we're going to go an eternal route. He's like, so when you're, you know, say you're 50 years old, and you have a you know a, a major surgery, he's like you remember that for a, a longer period of time because it takes you longer to get over and all that. He's like go to a six month old, mm-hmm. okay, go to a six month old and have a major surgery. Is that six month old going to remember that when they get to fifty? No, because that's fifty years difference. That's he's like now think of that in the scheme of eternity. All the bad stuff that happened in your eighty years, are you going to remember that in ten thousand years, bright shining like the sun? You know, the, you know, when mm-hmm. eternity, it never ends. And so all these sufferings that we suffered were for our good. It brought us to salvation. And when we get to eternity, the first, you know, the first hundred years, yeah, that may be fairly vivid. When we're there, you know, a million years and time is still going on, has no end with God, and we've been with God that long, do you think we care what happens that 80 no no because we're on a eternal spectrum now yeah. it's no longer like you know 80 90 years so i just thought that was really cool that is fascinating so i never take i never there. put thought into it like that but that is that is a good point he's a very intelligent man he's worth listening to mm-hmm. jay warner wallace the hmm. homicide detective hmm. all right well dylan wrap us up with our last question is sanctification possible without the bible no it is not because the bible what it does to us is that it's our guide number one but it also um illuminates sin in our lives the more that we read god's word and so the more that you read god's word the more sin is going to be illuminated in you and you need to kill that sin to be more and more sanctified so without the scripture illuminating the sin in your life, you cannot become sanctified. You cannot become more and more holy because you still have sin that is within you. So, yeah, I mean, how how can we know how to be sanctified without God telling us how, right? (laughs) It can only come from his word. And so we can't, we can't begin the process of sanctification without first being justified through salvation. So if we can't be saved without the knowledge of God's word, then how can we expect to be sanctified without the knowledge of God's word? 
Drop the mic. Go ahead and drop that one, Cody. Drop the mic. Just knock, just knock it over and understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally what I have written down is, is basically a repeat of what you guys have said. Um, sanctification comes from obedience to the commands of God through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So if we don't know the commands of God, how can we be obedient to them? And the only right. place we can find the commands of God are written in the Word of God. Yep. So. yep. We're going to bring it up next episode a lot, but Second Peter... Chapter 1 and verse 3. For he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through his scriptures. Mm-hmm. Through the Bible. Um, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, how would we... Who are we really imitating? We're not really imitating Paul. We're really imitating Christ. Mm-hmm. It's just Paul is our physical example in that in that setting for the Corinthians. But really and truly, we're striving to imitate Christ. How would we know how to imitate Christ if we knew nothing about him? And how would we know anything about him without reading the word about him, which is which is the Holy Bible? So, no, it's it's not possible. Now, there's I would say there's probably helpful tools out there to help us better understand that. Just helpful analytical tools. Don't not going to go Don't there. start with me. Well, <laughs> We're too late in this episode to start. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for next time. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but, I mean, all your helpful tools are going to be based in Scripture. So just go to the go to the source. Yeah. Go, go to the source. And, Absolutely. And, and get, your, get your instruction and your guidance through there. Use the whole, let the Holy Spirit change your heart um, by the reading and washing of the Word to be sanctified, just like it says in Ephesians 5. So... Absolutely. All right, fellers, anything else on that? Nope, I think we did it. Okay. I believe so. That's it. I think we did it. All right, well, thank you for tuning in for this episode. Next uh, next episode, we're talking about the sufficiency. So we've done, this, we've done inerrancy, we've done necessity, and now we're about to tackle sufficiency. So we love you guys. Pray for us as we continue in this, uh, and we will uh, see you guys next time. 